You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome back to Force Perspectives for part four of Ahsoka Fallen Jedi. I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, the illustrious Joe Hogan. Oh, how you doing, Mike? Uh, listen, I never before in the two episodes of this podcast that we have recorded Mm -hmm. about Ahsoka, um, so the last couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. have I been more frustrated that we cannot release this episode, that we cannot have this (laughs) Yep. Um, with everybody for two reasons, and I'm just going to get to the first one right off the bat. We're just going to jump right into it, um. All of your stupid Merak, <laughs> you're all a bunch of dummies. Um, <laughs> glad I'm so glad that I was right, which is that like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Um, Never mattered. He was literally nothing. <laughs> so in every way, I, I um here's here's my theory on it. I. He, he is that, he is the, the, um, which, which Inquisitor was it? The one on, on Malachor that, with the spinny lightsaber that died. Uh, I, I don't, I I don't know what his name is. It's funny. We actually watched the episode yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tina watched it. Tina, Tina's going through Rebels on a, um, the, the, basically like, you know, those like essential watch lists. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, we went through all of the major important episodes to enjoy this series yeah. together yesterday. So she had never seen rebels. Obviously I had seen it a few times, um, but we watched, uh, yeah, what was it? Twilight of the apprentice. Yeah. Um, we watched the episodes with, um, uh, where Rex and the clones come back. Yeah. We watched uh Jedi Knight. We, we watched, um, the, the twin sons and then we watched uh the uh finale the the four-part finale okay so yeah so um that's not what you asked i'm sorry no <laughs> no it's all good it's fresh in my head though i so yeah i, I believe that maroc is that that yeah inquisitor yeah um and and i do think he was i do think he did die in star wars rebels he did yeah. die in that moment and i think that morgan elspeth resurrected him yeah with night sister yeah. magic that because if 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 you recall in clone wars the mm-hmm. night sisters can uh make zombies basically right so um uh yeah mother tells and brings back a whole bunch of them in order to fight uh, uh battle droids right right um 
And if I recall, they kind of they I mean, like there's a lot more of the like green magic stuff happening there. But I think that they like kind of crumble back into dust when when they're defeated as well. So, um, yeah, like it felt like Night Sister magic to me. Like that's what like that's what that. Yeah. Like Like, she cut open the suit. And like once that like that's Merrick was like dark side energy inside that outfit, basically. And once that outfit was breached. Right. Like once once the fabric was breached, his essence just like it just yeah. spit out. Deflated out gone. of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like rad. <laughs> awesome. He was literally nothing. He was <laughs> literally nothing. And no Whoops. one. Uh, beautiful. Wonderful. Dave, I could kiss you on the mouth. I, uh, I love it. I love it because, you know, that he knows possibly better than anyone, possibly better even than George, how stupid the fans (laughs) get about like a character with a helmet. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, and like, uh, a a mystery box. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I hate mystery boxes. I think that they have ruined storytelling. I think that when, when, um, when JJ Abrams stood up in front of everybody and did his Ted talk on the mystery box and gave away the secret to the way that he tells stories, he ruined absolutely everything because like (laughs) that mystery box, like, like there have been some stories with that mystery box that I absolutely love. Right. Um, uh, and, and, and good examples are, jj abrams stories lost is all about the mystery box but the mystery box is also what ruined lost although like i i personally like the whole series i think that it's fine all the way to the end you just have to get rid of your expectations that's this is this is why i am where i am with the mystery box is because i learned that lesson very early on with the first major mystery box that he was a part of which was lost which is like like the thing about the mystery box is that like have fun with the adventure don't worry so much about what's inside the box don't Mm. worry about it it's probably actually not that important. It's the way that we get get going on the story. It's the gas you put in the engine. It's not the car, right? So, and it's certainly not the destination. So, like, like to me is like fine, whatever. Mystery boxes can be used well, but he told everybody what it was. Uh, a Super Eight was sort of like his thesis on it, right? Like that movie was his thesis on it. Um, in the same way that like Christopher Nolan told us everything that we need to know about the way that he makes a movie, which is also a mystery box thing, uh, when he made The Prestige, which I think he made way too early in his career, way too early. But like you can't know that, right? Like as a as a filmmaker, you don't know if you're going to get to make 15 more movies, if you're going to never get to make another movie again. So he got the opportunity to make The Prestige and he did. But he told us all what he does, which is The Prestige. Like that's his mystery box. Mm. every single one of his movies that I've watched is a prestige, right? It is all look over here, look over here. I'm going to do something big and flashy to distract you from what I'm actually doing. Right. From, from, from what like the actual like manipulation is in this story. Um, Once Mm. you know that you can't watch the dark Knight again without being like (laughs) music in this movie never stops. It never stops. Like that whole movie, like watch The Dark Knight sometime. Like, I'm not saying that it's a bad movie because of this, but just go watch that movie sometime and just pay attention to how often the soundtrack is going. Dun 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 
and it like like that music that score which is what Hans Zimmer I think right um, yeah that was Hans Zimmer it never builds it <clears throat> never crescendos it just stays at a yep. heart rate of dun 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 and it what it does is it distracts you the whole time from the Joker's story makes no sense how did he get there how did he know to do that. How does, how did he not put together that that's Batman? Like how, like where are the things? And like, it like you don't question any of it when you're watching that movie because the pace of the movie is the shark from Jaws the whole time, the whole movie. Like he, so he is just the shark. Like the Joker is the shark. Mm. I, and so like, like that's like, that's his whole thing. The mystery box is, is JJ's whole thing and mystery boxes. Like once he told everybody what that was, then all of a sudden it's like, here's another story about a flight that mysteriously doesn't land. And then it lands 20 years later and everyone's the same age. Like no time has passed. Okay. So your whole story is a mystery box. Like you're okay. Okay, fine. And it's just like every story after lost and after super eight was just that for like 10 years. And it is so obnoxious, right? Now, there are also J.J. Abrams stories that, like, use the mystery box properly. Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane both use the mystery box perfectly, which is that, like I said, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. (laughs) It's totally irrelevant. Where did the monster come from in Cloverfield? There are hints. There is actually, like, if you go back and you watch the whole movie and you watch back to the beginning and you watch the, the... the there's a because the whole movie's found footage right and at the very end it clips back over to mm-hmm. what was left on the tape at the end and it's you know they're on the ferris wheel at coney island and if you're if you're paying attention a thing like falls from the sky and falls into the ocean mm-hmm. this was like this was like two days before right and it's like oh it's a monster from outer space that's it that's the whole explanation for where the monster comes from in cloverfield that's it. Doesn't matter. The mystery box wasn't important. Now the mystery box propels the story of like there's a monster from outer space that's destroying New York City. And mm. and that's what moves our characters. And then 10 Cloverfield Lane, the very end of it, it's like is like don't you can't go out there. You can't go out there. There's a whole there's a thing that's happened and we're like no there isn't. And then you get out and it's like, "Oh no, it turns out that yeah, it turns out that yeah, there is." Um and I, not as many people have seen 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I think it kind of ruins the end of the movie, so I'm not going to say exactly what it is. Go watch <laughs> 10 Cloverfield Lane, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Hera. She's so good in it. It's, I, it is my favorite Mary Elizabeth Winstead film um, because it's really just – it's her and John Goodman and uh, that one other guy. I can't remember his name. But, like, it's it, they're, they're locked in a bunker together. And, like, John Goodman gives one of his best performances, which is saying a lot because John Goodman is incredible. Um Man, 10 Cloverfield Lane, 10 is in the title. That's a perfect 10. Uh, <laughs> I, I, sh- I, nobody's listening to this podcast. We can talk about things that are on, that are that are struck work <laughs> because nobody's going to hear this until after the strike. So we're good. We're fine. There you go. um, one day, eventually, we will do 10 Cloverfield Lane as a perfect 10 because it absolutely is. Um, I don't know that, that I agree. <laughs> okay. Okay. You, you might that. have to get somebody else for that one. Okay, that's fine. I like that movie. It is a very um, good movie, but the ending ruins it for me. Oh, I'm, really? I'm, oh. I'm not on board with that ending. At all. I love the ending so much. 
I, I, it's such a twilight. It's such a great twilight zone ending. Anyways. Um, I, all of that is to say that I think that Dave understands the mystery box because Dave's a very, very good storyteller. I also mm. think that when Dave is not in a three-legged race with John Favreau, he is <laughs> at his best. Um, I think that Dave, like, I think that the storytelling in Mando and the storytelling in Book of Boba Fett and I like the stuff that they collaborate on, although I like it, I have a lot of fun with it. It is not nearly as good as the storytelling of Dave on his own. And it's not that he's on his own of with Dave at the helm. Dave is captain of this ship. He is not collaborating in the way that he collaborates on Mando with John, where it's like Mando is very much John's story and Dave is there to assist and to, to give some direction and to like remind him that like, Hey, don't forget you're telling a star war, not just playing with action figures and this stuff matters. And so he pulls it back and brings it in. And then I think Rick Famuyiwa on season three came in and was like, guys, we need to have a little bit of substance to this. It needs to actually be driving <laughs> towards something. Otherwise people are going to continue to get mad at us. Um, yeah. You can't just keep having characters with no names. But I think that when Dave is firmly like, like, in the zone and he is in that main chair uh, of the, that cockpit of the ghost or the Falcon or whatever ship you want to call it. Um, when he's in that, that lead pilot seat and he's got his writing staff next to him and they're doing their thing. Uh, he is at his best and he knows how to use a mystery box. He put the Merrick mystery box in there to mess with us specifically just to like just to get us to this point because like we're in now right it's like oh, i'm gonna put an inquisitor in there and we'll have a yeah. great lightsaber fight but it's like but also like let's let's use it let's establish that ahsoka is not to be trifled with which means that when ahsoka fights balin and balin is roundly destroying her mm. right um, and she is having to pull out every single skill that she's ever learned in order to keep up with him in this fight out of just like sheer power, ferocity. The dude is a bear, right? Mm. Like she is being attacked by a grizzly bear in this episode. It is top three lightsaber duel. Damn. I firmly believe that. I think that, like, I because I don't know that we're gonna get another one between the two of them by the end of this season, uh, like the or the end of this year. I would be the end of this season because Balin can't really continue, but unless they recast him, I guess. But I, I, I don't think that it'll be. Uh, I don't think Balin makes it out of this story. I, I, I know the answer to if there is more fighting between the two of them because Ray Stevenson said it in an interview. Okay. A while back, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want me to tell you? Yeah, or do yeah, you yeah. Want yeah. You can go ahead. If it's in yes, an there, yeah. there is. They, they oh, face off more than once. Okay. Um, I, this, this fight, I mean, like, it just, the, the, the intensity of it and the suspense of it, um, so great making it not, like, the stakes are not, the two of them like is mm. Ahsoka going to kill him? Is he going to kill Ahsoka? Obviously neither of that's going to happen in the fourth episode of this eight episode series or season. I, uh, but the stakes are the map, 
right? And if they upload the coordinates to the map, then it, then they lose, right? And we established that early in the episode. It's so perfect because it just keeps this tension of like, she doesn't need to defeat him. She just needs to get the map. She just mm. needs to get the map. And everybody will say like, why doesn't she just use the force to pull it over to her? Because he is attacking her because he is pulling all of her focus. I There, there are... There's an idea that all Jedi are the same thing that drives me nuts, right? It's this video game idea that they all have the same power set. They all have the same aptitude. That has never been the case. That has never been what it's about, right? Mm. Each Jedi's connection to the Force is unique and singular. That much has been clear since the very first time we learned about the Force, right? How a Jedi taps into it, how they communicate to it is a is a personal thing from Jedi to Jedi, force user to force user. And so the way that it manifests from one force user to another is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Luke is an incredibly skilled pilot, just like his father, because their connection to the force was the same. Right. That's never been Obi-Wan's thing. It's very clear. It's like they get into the Falcon and it's not like he goes like, like get out of the way and I can fly this thing better than you. Right. Like (laughs) he, he like Luke tries to say that and Han's like, go sit down kid. Like I'm going to pump you out the airlock if you don't shut up. Um, like, 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 the, like it's it, to me, that's always been clear. Yoda's connection to the force is different than either of Obi-Wan or Luke, right? The second that we're introduced to a third character that's connected to the force, we're like, it's different. It's different. And that's different. From, Palpatine can shoot lightning. Who? Nobody else does that, right? But people want to, like, turn it into a power set. They want to turn it into rules as opposed to it being like they're ascetics. They're monks. They're spiritual. Mm. Everybody's connection is different. Balin's connection to the force is um, it emanates from him. It's like it his from the moment that we meet him in the first episode, every time he's on screen and this is just Ray Stevenson, right? Like that's like, that's what's coming through is his performance and his, yeah. his natural charisma. What like the, 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 the aura that he projects comes through in this character it's perfect casting because it's actually coming through in the story as well and it's informing the story right no one else could have played this character this way well not nobody there are other actors who have similar presences gary oldman's an actor that comes to mind is like when he's on screen no matter what character he is he's like exuding his like he's like whether he wants to or not he is enforcing himself on the story right yeah very similar i but this character, Balin Skull, he is like constantly, it's oppressive when he's on screen, right? In a good way, right? Like his presence is always felt. And I think that the way that that goes with Ahsoka is that like she is on her back foot the whole time. The second that she sees him, she it's she reacts before she sees him. She gets to the hinge and she's like, he's here yeah right and it's very it's a very similar thing to like to vader of like these dark side users that are powerful it's like they just like they don't control it in the way that a jedi does right it's kind of um to use dragon ball as a as a as an example it's the way that like 
that like Frieza, who doesn't know how to mask his his power level in the way that the Z fighters do, right? Or or Cell or or Boo, like these characters are like like the good guys are like when I'm not fighting, I don't need to be jacked up and super saiyan level three right like like they keep it inside right and i think that jedi mm. are very similar of like no the force i i call the force to me when i need it otherwise i let it flow right sure. whereas a dark side user is very much like it's control right it's in the sith code right like dark side force users are like no i control the force i tell the force what to do and that I think that's the presence. That's the that's the that's the dark side, right? When 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 another force user is feeling that, that's what they're feeling. Not maybe not even a force user, just anybody, right? They feel the presence from this guy. Um, that's what they're feeling, and so she immediately senses him there, almost like a background hum, right? Like just like mm. a, just like a, it's just there, and so I think the closer she gets to him, and when she's engaged with him she can't she can't just use the force to pull it to her the other thing is that it's clearly like it's it's in that thing and that thing is night sister magic and so it's like it would take more than just a flick of the wrist to pull it out like it would take Mm. focus right yeah um and so like she can't she has to fight she has to keep up with this fight until she gets the opportunity to pull this thing out and then even then it 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 hurts her to do it but that fight, dude, his, as I said before, the his ferocity, but it's like, it's not like Shin, who is like fighting with Sabine in the forest and she's like unleashed, right? Mm-hmm. His ferocity <clears throat> is controlled and that's yeah. so much scarier. It's yeah. so much scarier. And Ahsoka knows it and she's like, this is not, this is not a small thing. This is not, you are not to be trifled with. Um, it's so good. And that's why it's like all of that stuff that's going on comes across in the choreography. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's a top three for me. I mean, I love the choreography just because, you know, his, it was, so Baylands and Shin's armor is very like medieval inspired, right? Yeah. And like his fights, st- the dude was a medieval knife. He that guy was using that lightsaber like a broadsword. While th- there, you have Ahsoka literally in like Japanese like yeah. a-, a gi, and oh, she's it, fighting yeah. like a samurai. It was it was a it was, it was a, a knight versus a samurai full plate versus a versus a, a samurai. With it no was armor, awesome, right? Like, so so yeah. so the choreography was the perfect like the 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 i, I don't know I, I can't even articulate it the, like yeah everything works so well visually like <laughs> i don't i don't know man it was like it was so cool to see like oh man they look the part they fight the part like this is awesome it was yeah. a great 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 I, great it, fight this is like dave gets it yeah right and i like yeah. like the thing is is that it has to start with the writing and and it has to come from that singular storyteller perspective, right? Yeah. Like that, like that is the job in a movie. That is the job of the director. On a TV show, that is the job of the executive producer, right? Like that, mm-hmm. like like as the showrunner, that is your role is to make sure that everybody 
is in harmony mm-hmm. with all of these different creatives that are coming in. Cause you got to bring in different people that direct different episodes because your schedule is different, right? It's just the pace of it. So another director can come in. I, I, and that's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, like it's gonna, it's gonna stay on point as opposed to like Mandalorian, which I find can tend to like shift in tone from episode to episode, because I just don't think that John is as has as tight a grip on the wheel. Right. Which is fine. Like I, it, it doesn't have to be that way, but, um, so I, I tweeted this yesterday of like, everybody needs to stop comparing star Wars project to star Wars project, compare it against itself. Like, like measure yeah. it against its own metric and then measure it against what it brings to the whole. Right. Because sure. Mando on a week to week basis is it's very anthology, right? So it, it like each story can tend to be like a little one-off and self-contained. And so they can have different vibes. Right. And that's fine. I think that's fine. I actually quite like it. I, but I love anthology stories, man. Yeah. Like those are usually my favorites. Yeah, totally. So like what it's, it's again, Star Wars visions, right? Not even Canon stories. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's about what it brings to Star <clears throat> Wars as a whole. Mm-hmm. Right. So the best star star, the best stories in star Wars visions, even though they don't necessarily change anything in the star Wars mythology, they, they allow us to see from a different perspective. They allow us to explore different aspects of star Wars. So like when we talk about like F story, right. It's like, it's, it's rad. Like it's, and it, and it adds like all of these other aspects to the force of like these other practices. And it's like, these people are connected to the force in a different way. And she's there to defend that. And it's like, that's what, like, that's what I'm going to measure a good star Wars for. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I look at Mando and I look, does it bring positive, like good things to star Wars as a whole? Absolutely. It does. Does it misfire every once in a while? Absolutely. It does. But Dave has such, a handle on this story that um, it, like that. It has to come from the writing. It has to. And then, and then that filters down into everything else. So I guarantee that like right on the page in this episode, it's like the, this fight was choreographed in Dave's head long before it made it onto the screen. <laughs> and then he like they wrote it and then they worked with the right choreographers, but because that vision was singular and, and clear, it translates to us so that you and I can have the same experience in different times at different places and with different experiences that we're bringing to it and go, that is a knight of the round table fighting a samurai. That's what that is. That's yeah. what Dave wants it to be. That's what he wants us to see that's what it is and then it is star wars like that's and that's what star wars is Mm -hmm. it's those things when george was doing his best stuff that's what he was doing he was going here's the farm boy who's going to become a knight hanging out with a cowboy pirate and an (laughs) old samurai that's the like these are the three main characters and they're going to go rescue a princess Right. And that's why we look at Star Wars and we go like, this is this is awesome. And it becomes its own unique thing and it transcends 
It doesn't just because so many Star Wars stories just take, no, we're going to take a cowboy and a samurai and we're going to put them together and see what happens. And it's like, that's fine. Cool. Whatever. Right. And some of those stories are okay. But when Star Wars transcends is when it brings those elements together and it goes, there's a reason why these two things are in the story. Right. Ahsoka represents something outside of the order. So the whole, so, so her samurai aesthetic is pushed to the extent, right? Like it's, Mm. it, it is cranked up past a Jedi into something different. So her lightsabers are katanas. The only thing about her lightsabers that is like, like that could make it more apparent is if they were flat blades. Like if, if they had just gone <laughs> full bore and, and I think that if star Wars visions had happened before star Wars rebels, that we absolutely would have seen this. I think that Dave probably looks at star Wars visions and goes, I was, I was a coward. Right? <laughs> I should have done it. I should have done it in rebels. Uh, like they, they were just going to do it in star Wars visions. I should have done it in rebels. Um, Cause other than that, her lightsabers are absolutely katanas. Right. Yeah. I, yeah the way that she fights with them in this and like, and like her whole aesthetic, her costume, everything about her is samurai. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas like literally the Jedi, Kendo, some, yeah. some of like all of those stances. Yep. hundred percent. Samurai <laughs> sword yeah. fighting stances. Um, whereas like a regular, a Jedi in star Wars, a traditional Jedi is, has those influences, but is not that thing. They yeah. also they also are a bit of a knight, right? So it's kind right, of a melding sure. of those two things. And then Balin is on the opposite end of that spectrum where he and Shin have gone full medieval knight and they've eschewed any of the samurai stuff, mm-hmm. right? So all of that is gone from their aesthetic. So Dave has like literally just positioned these opposing forces... He's got his, because I've talked about this before, the Mandalorian are to the Jedi as ninja are to samurai, right? And I <laughs> firmly believe that. Everything that I said on the last episode, that I firmly believe that the Mandalorians are actually an offshoot of the Jedi practice. That, like, the first Mandalorian was a Jedi who could not use the Force and so became something else. In yeah. the same way that, like, the ninja came out of the samurai practice because the culture was changing and it was, it was adapt or die. Right. So, mm. so that's where the ninja came from. That's if you play the game, uh, ghost of Tsushima, like that's, there's a little bit of what that yeah. is in that story, which you should ghost of Tsushima. Such a good game. Oh my God. Perfect. Oh, 10 right on the list. Sakai. Oh my God. Oh, such a good game. I, yeah, like, like that. So I, you've got, you have a samurai and a ninja in, in, um, Ahsoka and Sabine. Right. And so that's where it's like, can Sabine train as a Jedi? It's like, can a ninja train as a samurai? That to me, like, it's the same thing. These, these things, these pictures are the same. (laughs) These pictures are identical. I, but then to go like Shin and, and Balin, let's push them on the other side as, as, as an as antagonist to the the samurai and ninja right you've got these two knights right and you have you you have one that like they're they're um they're templars right like templars had a code they followed chivalry 
but they also just like murdered people in the name of Jesus and God, right? <laughs> like Templars were bad. They were the bad guys in history when we look at it. And yet like they, they represented the church. So like I look at Balin and Shin and I look at the way that they uh, like the iconography of like the pauldrons and they've got the hip, armor as well um and then and then their um their tunics are very again like it's all medieval stuff their lightsabers are very medieval i i shins has the 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 circle guard but it is more of a rapier sort of thing but it is still like it's got a cross guard on it and then balin's also has a cross guard on it it's got the the flat um, cross guard that doesn't they don't have blades right but but um but in terms of design like it's a very like like uh sword like uh, uh you said earlier like broadsword style fighting right and and so his lightsaber reflects that um which again again dave like knowing exactly what he's doing like their characters are reflected in the designs of their sabers dude like their hilts <laughs> reflect the fact that they're Templars. So like, it's just like, uh, it it all just, it's all so on point. So many of the things line up that there is no way that I am reading into it. It is absolutely meant to be there. Yeah. Um, And the fact that like you're on the same wavelength and other podcasts that I've listened to other people are on the same wave, same wavelength of like, Oh really? These guys guys are knights. Like they're like, they're nice, but look at them. Look at them. Like like, in the first episode, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, and then, and then like you put them in the cloaks and there's a little bit more of the Jedi vibe to it and stuff and the lightsabers and whatever. And so it's like, it's just this great, there's just so much visual storytelling going on in this, in this show. Um, it really, it is really just like, I hate it. I hate that we are just screaming these things into a void right now because, um, because we could be having really interesting conversations back and forth, but, but we're not for the very good reasons that we're not. Um, and I stand by that. It's just, it's just tough. Cause I'm just like, I want to talk about this with more people. I'm so grateful that I have you and that we are doing this the way that we're doing it <laughs> because I, because I don't know how, I mean, I'm sure that we would just have this conversation anyways, but, mm. but yeah, it's just like, it is, it is such a visual feast. All of it, dude, who Yang robots with the, with the assassin him. droid. So good. When who Yang, when he just everything about who Yang, I rewatched the first episode with Crystal the other night, like on Sunday or Monday. I think it was Monday. Mm. Um, and uh, there's a moment in the first episode that I didn't really clock it the first time, but there's a moment. I think it's when Hera is talking to um, Ahsoka in the hologram and Hu Yang's just kind of standing there and he's got his hands behind his back. And I, like I noticed it as like a that's not a very droid pose. Mm. Like Hu Yang, he blinks, <clears throat> which like I know that yeah. 3PO blinks from time that. to time yeah. as well. But like Hu Yang is a droid, and he talks about it's like, well, that's my programming. But he's <laughs> like very self aware, and yeah. I think that I think that there's a there's an ideology in 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 fandom 
about droids that like the longer they go without memory wipes, the more prominent their personality gets. Mm-hmm. Right. So like 3PO has had many memory wipes. The way that 3PO is, is inherent in his programming. There's no yeah. way like his eccentricities are in his programming. Yeah. Um, uh, and maybe by virtue of the fact that he was programmed by a 10 year old, right? Like I, uh, <laughs> to be a protocol droid. So it's a, it's a 10 year old's understanding of protocol. <laughs> Right. Um, so he's like, yeah, absolutely. Just like, you know, it, these are the rules. Follow the rules. Um, that's what a protocol droids for. Um, but Hu Yang has been alive for at least 500 years, we know. But like, I, I, I oh man, what is it in? It's in one of the stories. What is you... in like one of the books or the comics or something like that? There's something that implies that Hu Yang's been around for like thousands of years. Oh, awesome. Right? That that like that that like nobody even knows where he came from at this point. <laughs> like he's been around for so long. That's that like, super like, cool. Like the I I think in the story it's like he just he showed up in a blue box on the at, at the Jedi Temple and he's mm. been there ever since. But it's like it's been thousands of years, and like he taught Yoda how to build a lightsaber when Yoda was a young guy, right? Like that. that's like that's directly in the episode of Clone Wars, right? Yeah. Um, and in all of that time, he's like I don't think that he's had memory wipes. I think that he because he <laughs> talks about things as if like in all my time, he remembers I remember every lightsaber. I remember every for, lightsaber yeah. that was ever constructed by the Jedi Order. I know all of them, and uh, from from the time that I started until the time that it fell. I knew every, I know every single lightsaber and these are, these are, this one's new. I've never seen it before. Um, right. So like there are things about the performance and David Tennant bringing that into the performance, but also the physicality of him. Yeah. I can't wait for the Disney gallery to see like how they did him. Cause there's <laughs> a, there, it is seamless when they go from the puppet. There is clearly a puppet sometimes yeah, sure. to the CG model. And the decisions that were made in, in his movement and how he how he gets around and how he holds himself. But like now thinking about it, like he definitely held his hands behind his back in Clone Wars as well, right? Because there's there are moments where he's like teaching, right? And that's it that's sure. his posture. Yeah. He's got this like teacher posture. But I could never picture another protocol droid doing that. Right. Mm. He's not a protocol droid, but like I couldn't picture. No, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. A like human, 3PO, human, 3PO, humanoid type yeah. droid. Yeah. 3PO would never put his hands behind his back. He's always got that like 45 yeah. degree angle. It's stiff. Yeah. Stiff. Like actually it's more of like a 135 degree angle, but <laughs> um, I, I, sorry, geometry nerd for a moment, but I, like he, like he's always got that posture and all the protocol droids do, and they all kind of follow that. And then like battle droids have like their 90 degree angle sort mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, postures and stuff. Right. Like we have all of this, this visual language with droids that we know. And then Hu Yang comes along and he is definitely mechanical, but <clears throat> in a, I don't know. There's a different, there's a different aesthetic to the way that he moves. It's staccato, but it's like, it's so much more intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like three PO. And I think that this is Anthony Daniels performance because of the limitations of the costume, but it creates a vibe with three PO that follows through and all of the other protocol droids of like, 
protocol droids are constantly fighting against the limitation of their range of movement, right? Like they're like, because they're not designed to move, they're designed to talk. So it's like, mm-hmm. you just, we made you humanoid because these other, because everybody else is humanoid, your protocol, it's to interface with other sentience, right? With other <clears throat> bipedal sentience. So that's why you're designed that way, right? So that's why you move the way that you move. It's not important. Movement's not important. Stand there and translate. Um, as long as you can get from point A to point B, I don't need you to pick something up. I just need you to occasionally interface with things. So we'll give you digits, right? Um, instead of a scomp link. And then when then with an asteroid, it's like, well, an asteroid is meant to go in a ship socket. Like you are a toolbox on wheels. Like so function as a toolbox on wheels. You don't need hands, right? But then Huyang is something else entirely and is his movements he moves like a dancer if that makes Mm, sense yeah he moves with intention and fluidity yes Yes. yeah but but he's but precision right yeah like that's so it's like so his movements are staccato because it's like because they stop on a dime but not because of a limitation like 3po but because of a purpose he moves an with purpose. E- economy yeah. of movement right like yeah, yeah it's purpose yeah. it's 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 intention right so when he fights the assassin droid which has a similar sort of idea of like an assassin droid is going to take the most direct route from here to your death right <clears throat> that's how it's programmed <clears throat> so the two of them fighting against each other is just like dude it's this is as much as I love so much of the other Star Wars storytelling that we're getting right now, the level of visual storytelling show don't tell that is happening in this yeah. show is immeasurable. It is yeah, off the charts. You can you can mute the show without the oh. subtitles and have you would not miss a beat. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. You know exactly how each character feels about the other character. Yep. Even complexities like the the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine right now, where it's like they are they are friends, they are allies, they are master and apprentice, but they are also adversarial right now because there's mm-hmm. an unspoken something, and which like comes to a head in this episode and is going to need to be resolved the next time those two characters see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also like. When Shin shows up and Sabine is not there and Ahsoka yeah. responds mm-hmm. visually before she says anything, mm-hmm. you know exactly what she's thinking. Yeah. Exactly what she's thinking, which is like, <clears throat> Sabine is dead. I have failed her. I failed another one. Like it's, it's happened again. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this is like I keep losing everyone. Mm-hmm. It's this all my fault. Right. And so she just like she goes straight to the dark side. She <laughs> goes straight to the dark side because she's Anakin's. Yeah. Bad one. Right. She is Anakin's apprentice. So, uh, yeah, she goes straight to the dark side and slams Shin against that rock. And it's just like that was anger. That was that was not that was not defense. That, no yeah that, that was, was anger that was attack yeah. um yeah and real quick to to bridge the two subjects that we're we're talking about with between hu yang and 
you know, what's going on with Ahsoka and Sabine. Have we ever had a droid that was wise? Because we've had droids that are intelligent and perceptive. But Hu Yang straight up says, hey, you guys kind of suck when you separate. Stay together. And they're like, yeah, we promise. And immediately they separate. And he's completely right. <laughs> Immediately, yeah. everything goes to hell yeah. as soon as they separate from each other. And, and, um, and that is, yeah, that is that is that other thing that, like, I go, he's been around for thousands of years. Yeah, he holds Jedi wisdom, like, like Hu Yang. I don't want to. I don't want to overemphasize this point, but I do think it's important. Hu Yang needs to be in the new Jedi Order movie mm. with Rey. It he needs to survive this. He needs yeah. to come through oh, the other side. Oh God, I this. hope so. When when Ezra and Sabine and Jason come back to the main part of the galaxy, <laughs> Hu Yang has to be with them, and he has to be a part of the new Jedi Order because, like he. He is the droid version of Yoda, right? Yeah. Like, like that. Like he abs- absolutely, a hundred percent. He, Ahsoka and Sabine can't see the forest for the trees right now because they're too in their own feelings with everything that's going on. The stakes of getting Ezra back, the stakes of stopping a war, the stakes of their relationship between each other, and it's <coughs> like you've got you have these two other external forces that are trying to keep the two of them on track in Huyang and Hera. Right. Right. That are that are both saying like who Yang's talking to Sabine and saying like Sabine, keep your head on, please. Right. This is your second chance. It's yours to own. It's yours to succeed. It's yours to screw up. Like and when he says to her in the second episode, she's like, I don't I don't I'm I'm could never be the Jedi that Ezra was. And he's like, no, you can't. He's not being pejorative about it right he's being pragmatic and he's trying to teach her a lesson of like you're right you can't first off you're a mandalorian so don't be a jedi (laughs) be a mandalorian but also learn the lessons pay attention take what you can adapt it to what you know become something better than what you are it's not about becoming a jedi it's not about using the force it's never been about moving rocks with your mind that's what luke says right that's not what a jedi is it's about a focus a determination it's about doing the right thing it's about being in the right place at the right time following the will of the force those are all things that anybody can do anybody has that potential it's not it's never been about moving a rock, right? It's never been about moving a rock. Reach out, feel the force. It's a it's that's not the force, it's a blade of grass <laughs> or whatever that thing is, right? Like Yeah. Like it just man, yeah, Dave is teaching he's reteaching <laughs> Last Jedi lessons and Last Jedi is reteaching Empire lessons and the Empire and Empire lessons are George, right? Mm. So it's just like Hu Yang is speaking for George in so much of this. Show so good. This show is so good. And I, there was a there was a little bit of like uh I don't know, maybe just cuz it's new, it's feeling like okay, this is like it's just exciting. 
-hmm. But the more that we sit with it, and then this episode in particular, I'm just like, this actually might be the best Star Wars show so far. I think it might. Mm -hmm. And it's like a slow burn. So I don't think that other people are coming to that just yet. Mm -hmm. I don't think that everybody else is like waking up to this idea. But I think that by the time that we get to the end of it, it's like, because it's taking everything that Rebels was doing well, and it's and it's doing it with a um, with a, a seriousness that Rebels, because it was animated, didn't have to have. Sure. Right. Yeah. So because because this is live action, it has to be uh, that little bit more serious, um, and so it's just that little bit closer to the original trilogy. Um, it's just it really like it is sitting in that zone that I think empire and Jedi sit in that when Lawrence Kasdan was writing star Wars, that star Wars sits in of Mm -hmm. like last week, you know, moving the cup, you know, you win this round, right? (laughs) That, That is the exact right amount of levity for star Wars, right? Where it's like, it's funny. It's a great character moment. It's, but it's also telling us something about the character. It's not just a joke for joke's sake. It's not just a neopi fart. Right. Like it, it, it's like, it, you know, it's not Jar Jar stepping in poop. Right. Like, which, which is comedy, but it's like, that's like Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin comedy. Right. Yeah. Um, Whereas like Star Wars, when it does it really well in Empire and Jedi, when, when Lawrence Kasdan was writing it uh, and and in Solo and in The Force Awakens, I, it, it, it's like the humor, the humor is actually doing the heavy lifting. It's actually like, like the jokes are more important than the serious parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and this show is, 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 is riding that line as well. It's got that same tone where it's like, when we make the jokes, it's, it, yeah. Like the, the levity is actually telling us a lot about the characters. I, <coughs> uh, let me bring up something else. Oh, I can't possibly imagine what it might be. <laughs> uh, nope, we're not there yet. Uh, oh, Carson, okay. Carson Teva coming back. Oh, okay. That's actually not uh, what I was expecting. Yeah, uh, Carson, because <laughs> I just, that whole sequence with them and forming up, and it's like, man, oh. again, these are the vibes I'm looking for, you guys. That's a Return of the oh. Jedi re- Rebellion fleet. That like, that's the stuff. Alliance. That was right? good and stuff. And, and uh, and what Harris says, once a rebel, always a rebel, right? I just like, mm, you guys, this is straight down the middle. And it's like, here's the thing. I kind of went into Ahsoka and there's all this stuff because of the strike right now, because of the, the and I don't want to get into it, but the stuff with Rosario Dawson and there's controversy around her being in a show. Um, it, you know, like because of all of that, I was like, I was going into this show with a lot of fear and trepidation because... Mm-hmm. I need it to be good in order to overshadow those things. Sure. Right. Um, so that it can sort of like deafen those things going on in the back of my head, because like, I just, it's just, there's discourse and just the discourse, just, you guys know, it's why I, it's why I almost quit star Wars podcasting in the first place. Cause I just got sick of like having to ride these lines of like, I am a thoughtful, conscientious person, but also I like Star Wars and I want to watch these Star Wars shows. Yeah. So like 
you know, Gina Carano being in Star Wars, it's like so we can we can never watch season one and two of of Mandalorian <laughs> ever again because she's a bad person and anti semite. And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't think that she's an anti semite. I just think that she said something anti semitic. Uh, without realizing that she was doing something anti-Semitic. And then when she was corrected, she doubled down on it instead of correcting herself. Right. So it's like, like people want to throw the baby out with bathwater all the time. And it's like, so that getting lumped in with that and I tend to worry too much about that discourse and getting caught up in those things and worrying that people whose opinions I respect, they're going to turn around and go, well, you're one of the bad people too. And it's like, well, if that's how they're going to risk, if that's how they are going to respond, then they clearly don't know me. And so I shouldn't care what they think anyways. Right. Um, Because the people that know me know how I feel about this stuff, or at least they should. So I shouldn't have to worry so much about it. Um, Which I think is my attitude now going into it, but it's still kind of like looms. It's a, it's a, it's this thing that's just like, so I, I was worried about this show, but I shouldn't have been. It's Rebels season five. And Star Star Wars Rebels is my favorite Star Wars. (laughs) So like, da-doy. Doy, it was going to do this stuff, but just, I don't know that I was prepared fully for how much Dave had leveled up over the last mm-hmm. five or six years. How long has it been since rebels ended? Right. Like 2018. Cause it's funny. Cause we, yeah. we watched the finale yesterday and I looked at Tina. I was like, you are, you have no idea how lucky you are. You don't have to wait for answers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like we sometimes we don't know how lucky we are because we didn't sure. really like 1983 <laughs> to 1997, sure. sure. right? 98, 99, um, before before it really started up again. Before um, the dark times. Yeah, I. But yeah, I just he has really like taken his storytelling and and um, evolved it and enhanced it to. Uh, to a, a really impressive level to where like we have gotten some very good star Wars stories in the last few years, some very, very good ones. I, I, I mean, we're in the middle of Andor, right. In between season one and two. And I think that like Tony Gilroy is, is like in terms of storytelling, it's a masterclass. Like this is how you do it. This is how you tell a story. Is it exactly what I want from star Wars? As I say all the time, not really, but uh, is it incredible storytelling? Yes, right. Ryan Johnson making the Last Jedi is like, like, like that. The, <clears throat> the complexity and the depth of that story is on a level that I don't think another Star Wars has really hit. Um, as well as servicing all of the tones that Star Wars has to service, um, for better or worse, because I think that that some of the um, some of the criticism of that story comes out of the fact that he <coughs> make the story accessible to kids. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like, as an adult, if you want to tell me that you don't like the Finn Rose storyline, that's fine. I understand it's not there for you. Like that's not there for you. That's there to teach kids about the world that we live in. Um, an important lesson that actually <coughs> was in George's original stuff as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but like from a different perspective, right? Like his was very much about the war machine, uh, like focusing on the war itself. And then, and then Ryan Johnson was like, 
but there are people who aren't affiliated with the military there it's like it's not all that right regular people get affected by it and regular people affect it mm-hmm. and that's the story that he was telling there with rose it was like no just miners minding <clears throat> our own business and then you know the first order comes in for profit sort of thing and you know like these other people like everybody just turns a blind eye because they're making money right Mm. which is very much of our current time uh, as opposed to the stuff that george was talking about in the 70s and 80s because of the stuff that was going on then so Mm. um yeah it, it like we've got these incredible storytellers telling incredible star wars stories uh some of the stuff in star wars visions that's just like come on some of the best star wars ever yeah. And Dave is just like leveling up. He's he is <clears throat> in the same this is this is why people say, oh well George taught him stuff, so that's why he's the new George. He's the heir to Star Wars, blah blah blah. And it's like that's not it. That's not it. The direct connection to George is not it. It is the reason why there's a direct connection connection to George is because George sat in a in an office with Dave one day had a conversation with him one conversation and was like, you've got the job you're making clone wars because George (laughs) talked to him and went, Oh, you get it. You get it. It's not about you being the best. It's about looking around you, seeing the best and bring that into what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Simon Sinek posted a thing on uh, Simon Sinek is like a, a leadership guru business stuff. So he's a guy that I look up to. He's, he's one of my sort of uh, guideposts in what I do professionally. He posted a thing on, on uh, his social media uh, yesterday. I don't show up to prove, show up to improve. He loves these little like turns of phrase, mm-hmm. but at first I was like, eh, that's, that feels kind of weak to me. Um, it's just like, it's more of a pun than it is like an actual insight. But the more that I've thought about it over the last 24 hours and the thing about like, what is it, what does he mean by that? Right. Cause it's, he's really good at that. He creates a phrase that hooks you. And then once you're hooked, he expounds on it. Right. Mm. And I, I look at it in, in terms of Dave and George, this is, this is where George ruffles a lot of feathers george doesn't show up to prove he shows up to improve the prequels are not about making more star wars the prequels are about oh this technology is finally ready Mm. okay okay i think i can do some stuff that i've never done before let's do it right um and and george goes and he looks at other people and he goes kurosawa (laughs) kubrick right uh, he looks at his friends, Francis Ford Coppola and Steven Spielberg. And he goes, what are you guys doing? I'm going to take a little bit of that. I'm going to take a little bit of that. I'm going to throw them in the pot, see what happens. Right. That's how George tells stories. That's like, he goes, oh, we'll put a cowboy with a samurai. I mean, there's a movie, there's a movie called Soleil Rouge, uh, Red Sun, which is about, it's a, uh, I think it's Toshiro Mifune is the, is the actor. And then, Charles Bronson is the cowboy. Shiro Mufune is the the samurai. Charles mm. Bronson is the cowboy. And it's like they, they have to work together. Um, uh, something is stolen. I can't remember what it is. I don't remember what the mug is. But it's on a train. 
so the 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 emperor of japan has sent a thing to the president of the united states or something i can't remember it's like some big thing it was like <coughs> like a diplomacy <clears throat> thing and he sends a, he sends this samurai to guard this thing and then these cowboys these these bandits steal it from a train and then these two characters have to come together because charles bronson has been betrayed by these guys and they've stolen this thing from from the samurai right so these two guys have to come together a cowboy criminal and uh, a samurai with an honor code and they have to work together to recover this thing right uh, one's doing it for revenge and the other one's doing it for honor this dynamic i swear to you because it's like it comes out like two or three years before star Wars. This dynamic is what informs the back and forth between Han and Obi-Wan. It is Mm. a thousand percent. If you watch this movie, this movie is literally you take away Luke Chewbacca, all the other characters, and you just have a movie about Han Solo when he's still a pirate and a smuggler and Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you had the two of them meet independent from everybody else, this is the story that would happen. Because the, well, the cowboy the is actually... Because I, I love Toshiro Mifune. He's awesome. Uh, Soleil Rouge is Soleil the Rouge, is okay. the is the actual name of it, but it's also known as Red Sun because that's what that translates to. Soleil Rouge okay. is French. Um, it is one of my favorite movies that I never get to talk about uh, because no one's ever seen it. Joe, go watch it because I think I, I am. Vibe. I am gonna change that. I and then I think that I think awesome. you'll. I think you'll watch it and you'll be like, "Let's do a perfect ten. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go do it so that we can do that. Um, yeah, I love that movie so much because I, I. I also really, really love Charles Bronson. So, um, Wish okay, cool. Death Wish yeah, movie. Ni- Nineteen seventy-one, so, Red Sun. Okay, cool. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. So it is absolutely a movie that George would have seen in the process of writing star Wars, there is no doubt in my mind. It is one of the things that if I got to have a conversation with George Lucas, that I would ask him is like, (laughs) did this movie influence star Wars? Because I feel like there's a lot of similarities here. And then I would just, and I I would say like, literally, literally like the first thing I would do is I would say, thank you so much. You changed my life. You're the most amazing human being that's ever walked on the earth you're the best uh thank you for being i feel here. like i'd cry i would be crying while i said all of this right <laughs> and then i would collect myself and i would go okay you don't have to answer anything else and i'm not going to talk anymore unless you ask me a question directly <laughs> please answer this and then i would ask him that is like did did this movie because it's just like i look at it and it's like that is draft one han solo Hundred percent to me, and and then like Obi Wan, like it's like their whole thing is so good. It's so good. Also, the movie was then remade in the future. I I with Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan. Oh really? Yeah, uh, but it's not that. It's Shanghai Nights or not Shanghai Nights. Shanghai Noon. Shanghai Noon is one hundred and ten percent. I remember that existing. Going like Red Sun. What if we made that now? And then who would we make that with? So who's the Toshiro? Toshiro Mifune of now at that time, which was like we're talking about ninety seven or ninety eight, maybe maybe it's two thousand. I don't know. Mm. Um, it's like oh, it's Jackie Chan, and then like I don't know that Owen Wilson is the Charles Bronson. They went a different way; they turned it into a comedy. But I I swear to you that script probably started as a as a Red Sun mm. remake, and then they went, what if we made it a comedy with Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan? <laughs> Um, and then they rewrote it because that's what this Hollywood system does nowadays. Um, 
cool. Let's talk about the uh, about the 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 elephant in the room between rooms. Uh, <laughs> that was cute. It's the last two seconds of the episode. Uh, and I, uh, I don't know. I think that everybody can probably imagine how we feel about this. Uh, so you go first. You go first. What did you think about Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker, de-aged? He sure looked a lot younger yeah. <laughs> than the last time we saw him. Uh, for the 15 seconds we got of him. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for next week. I want to know more. I'm going to pose a question for you, uh, even though you just turned it over to me. Is this a vision? Is he really there? Is this where force ghosts live? What the hell is going on right now? I'm sure we will get that answer next week. But, oh boy, what what is, what is being implicated right now? That yeah. Revenge of the Sith Anakin Skywalker is standing there when... How could this have? How is this not a vision? When would this have happened? Is this creating a parallel timeline? Is this uh, just Ahsoka fell in the ocean and she is having this vision because she remembers the world between worlds? Is she really there? What the hell is going on? I will answer your question with a question. Okay. And then I will answer that question. Okay. Does it matter? <laughs> and the Probably answer is not. no the Probably answer is not. no so here's the thing here's the thing everybody listen up it's too late to help all of you watching the show on a week-to-week basis but you've seen the whole series and now you're coming and you're listening to this and you need to have a little bit of knowledge dropped on you i every last one of you that cares what this means in a practical rule-based scenario, you let go of that immediately. And I will not expound on that. Just let it go. That's it. (laughs) You're holding on to something that can't know the answer by now. So, well, I mean like, yes, they'll, they'll know, they'll know in terms of like, it does it matter what it means. It matters what it means in this story to Ahsoka in this moment. Does it, does it matter what it means in relation to Ezra's story in star Wars rebels? No, doesn't matter what happens in Ezra, Ezra's experience in the world between worlds. And he doesn't have just one, actually he has three. So uh, the first one is when he finds his Kyber crystal, uh, which, which implies that in clone wars, when, they find their kyber crystals. As a matter of fact, the second they go into the cave on Ilum, that they are in the world between worlds. Because the, the cave does things, right? Hmm. The cave on Ilum is not a physical location. Once those once those Padawans, once those younglings enter it, they they enter it and they go into a place that is fueled more by their uh, fears and insecurities than it is by physical matter. Right. So I look at on Dagobah. The cave on Dagobah is the world between worlds. Absolutely. 100%. The, 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 the mirror in last Jedi is world between worlds. It's the force, right? The world between worlds is a term that some Jedi used to explain what it means to be at one with the force. 
and okay. Ezra is a special <clears throat> Jedi because Ezra has done this on multiple occasions, and then he has also he has also altered the course of of events through this, right? So he is he is very singular in that. This is what I was talking about earlier is that like, like each Jedi has a connection to the force that is different from every other Jedi. Nobody else can go into the world between worlds and do what he did. Not nobody, but like nobody that we've seen has that ability, even Ahsoka, right? Ahsoka upon being in the world between worlds because of her connection with the Ashla, right? With the, with the light side and with, with the, the, the daughter, immediately recognizes where they are tells him gives him the wisdom of like don't mess with kanan you like you, you have this ability you can do it you can reach in and you can do something if you do that you will break everything right like like you are like these are forces beyond what you can understand you have power but be responsible right um her experience now in this world between worlds is not the same as ezra's I mm-hmm. uh, because Ezra's three experiences in the world between worlds are not the same, right? Um, the first one he goes in and he he finds his his kyber crystal, right? Which like was there a kyber crystal inside? It's inside the temple, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So like, was there a kyber crystal in there? Maybe. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. He comes out with one puts it in his lightsaber, he builds his lightsaber, right? Um the second time is 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 the is the when he has another conversation with Yoda, right? Like like he sits on the thing with Yoda and they have their little chat. And then the third time is when he goes in with the door, right? And and I think like that that also changes things. The way that he gets into the world between worlds is different because it's the 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 wolves in the door, right? Um I, the the implication is that every time the the uh, the loath wolves teleport, that they are traveling through the world between worlds. They're traveling through the force, right? Um, there are there are multiple pathways to the same destination. Is is a is a an annoying allegorical way of saying it. Uh, mm. That's an idiom that we could that we could use. Where Ahsoka is at the end of this episode is not a place because the world between worlds is not a place. It is, it is what it is. We we try and define it, and by but, trying uh, to define it, we destroy it. We ruin it. Right? it. It's it's not that I disagree. It's just I have a hard time wrapping my head around the world between world not being a place, especially because. Ezra literally went through a portal and left where he was to go there and, you know, then pulled Ahsoka from where she was into it. So, like, I understand, okay, you're you're literally one with the cosmic force, but, like, how can someone pull someone else into being one with the cosmic? You know what I mean? Like. Because you have to unlearn what you've learned, okay? Because you're worrying, (laughs) you're worrying about physical corporeal space Mm. luminous beings are we not this crude matter right like 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 that's why i say you have to let it go you have to let go of rules you have to let go of explanations because they don't exist in this space right it's not even a space right it's like it's it is what it needs to be 
because the force wills it so. And the force is not a thing. The cosmic force is the cosmic force and the living force is the living force. And they have, they do have wills of their own. And sometimes those wills are at odds and that's the balance of it, right? That's how, that's how things fall into darkness and how they return to light. And that's, that's, that's what the battle is. That's what this fight is about is, is it's about like a conflict between the cosmic force and the living force, right? The, the cosmic force is the thing that creates life. The living force is the force that life creates. So they're tied. They, they, they are inextricably one thing and simultaneously two, right? And so okay. <laughs> it, this is all metaphysical stuff. So it's like, <clears throat> you, you, like you, you really, really, really just have to let go of corporeal explanation for a metaphysical solution, right? You can't, you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. And this is like, this is, this is, this is one of those things where Ahsoka is, is where she needs to be mm-hmm. or whatever needs to happen next. Now that is also just a contrivance in a story, but star Wars has created a contrivance that is a part of the story. That's what sure. Dave has done with the world between world world yeah. between worlds. Ezra is able to go into the world between worlds and pull Ahsoka out of it's Malachor, right? I keep saying Malachor. Yeah. Malachor. Malachor. Yeah, it's Malachor. Because he always did. It always happened. Even back then in season two, at the end of that episode, we see Ahsoka going through the doorway. Right. After the fight, after that, that's the last thing that we see, I think in, in, in that season, right. Is, is Ahsoka and the convoy. And, and she goes through that door. Right. Um, which means that she, by the time that we get to season four of star Wars rebels, that has already happened. It always mm-hmm. happened. Right. It yeah, wasn't that, time travel. That I understood. I agree. Okay. agree with that. Yeah. Um, and it, and, and the force allows that to happen because Ahsoka serves a higher purpose. of which we are not super clear and of which the show has not made super clear intentionally. We're going back to the mystery box stuff. It is intentionally obfuscated at the moment because we can't know what Ahsoka's purpose is and what her role is in the story until it's time to learn. And, Mm. and it will be time to learn when it's time for her to, to understand. She's not there yet it might be next week. It might be this next episode and it might be Anakin telling her one of the things that's interesting is that when Anakin appears, the Vader's theme plays. Right. So is it Anakin? Is it Vader? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. But what does that mean? But what does it mean? Right. I I don't know yet. I don't know. I can't answer that question yet because, you know, we're going to find out next week and there's no point in trying to answer it right now. But (laughs) I will tell you that how is not important. What is not important. The only thing that matters is why that's it. That's the only thing that matters in this moment is why. And that's mm-hmm. funny because I brought up Simon Sinek a minute ago and that's a, that's one of his things It's the golden circle, which is like, he talks about it in business. Every, every business knows what they do. Some businesses know how they do it. Uh, very few businesses know why. And since he had that, did that TED talk uh, I, a, a billion years ago, um, it's not that long ago, actually. 
uh, he's that that ideology has like expanded from business into like each person's sort of personal why of like why why you get up in the morning why you do what you do what drives you what motivates you in order to find the thing that'll make you happy in life right Mm. um and and i take it a step further into just like into into um that metaphysical thing of like the 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 what and the how are are they are part of this temporary uh, uh, fleeting thing that we call life, right? Uh, where this 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 brief time that we're alive, uh, as opposed to the why, which is to me the uh, the infinity of the rest of exist- existence. Mm-hmm. Which, um, if you believe in non corporeal existence, so uh, I, you can call that whatever you want, an afterlife, energy, spirits, whatever you want to call it. I personally subscribe to what I think George subscribes to, which is what he talks about in these stories, which is the force, right? Which is that thing that we all came from that we all go back to at the end of it, which is what Obi-Wan is talking about when he's like, strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. He doesn't mean that he's going to get superpowers and be able to do stuff, right? Mm -hmm. What he means is that he'll return to the essence that is the force that is the universe. The force is the energy field that binds the galaxy together it is created by all living things but it also creates them it binds us it penetrates us it's everything right and when you die your physical crude matter is no more uh it will eventually fade to dust um it it might get transformed into energy uh you know uh, through chemical reaction whatever i regardless it will disappear and turn into something else. But that energy that is whatever you are inside of that piloting this, you know, flesh mech that we call a body that that's forever. That's infinity. That's the rest of time. Mm. Right. And that's where why exists. That's, that's what that means. Right. It's, and that's why our why is what motivates us and it's intangible. It's hard to nail down. It's hard to, it's hard to find. Um, and it's why the world between worlds is this thing that stumps people and frustrates them because it is, I think if you let go of all of that other stuff, then you already understand what it is. But unfortunately the ship is too big and you can't get past that idea. (laughs) <laughs> right? You can't lift it. It's too big. I just can't do it. It's too big. But the size of the ship is irrelevant. It's it the it, it the force is everything. All it takes is a quiet mind, focus, and a little bit of faith. Right? And if you can get past that, you can understand that. And that's that is what in Christianity, when people talk about faith that can move mountains, that's what that means. They attribute it to God, which they attribute <clears throat> to a deity. I say they. I used to be Christian, but I don't really uh, associate myself with Christianity anymore because Christianity associates itself with white supremacy. So I'm just going to put a little bit of distance between me and that. Also, <laughs> Jesus himself was like, don't put a label on this. Right? Do good. 
then people will know that you're one of my followers. That's it. But, but there is a, there is a phrase, I, a faith that can move mountains. Right. And the idea behind faith that can move mountains is the same as like, look at me, judge me by my size to you do or do not. There is no try. Right. Like that, like that Yoda can do it because he believes that he can do it. He can lift the ship and it's not hard because it's not hard. And he believes mm. it's hard because he believes that the forces between me and the rock and the ship and the land and everything, it's there. It's all there. And all you need to do is communicate with it. Use it. The world between worlds becomes a thing where, and it starts with Mortis, the force can talk back. It is Dave's way from George of showing us that it, that it is actually a two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. It obeys your commands, but it also it it also tells you what to do, right? And it's it it Luke wants to know in the same way that you want to know, but which is it? <laughs> right? But but I don't understand. And Obi-Wan says, close your eyes, put this helmet on let go and then you will start to and then luke again doesn't understand but how will i know the good side from the bad yoda says shut up quiet your mind and you will know you'll know you already know the answer is already there you just have to listen to it and I, th- I firmly believe that so many of the people that are frustrated about the world between worlds, it's because they are holding on to physical, corporeal explanation when what they need to do is embrace metaphysical non-explanation. It doesn't, it, the, the point is that it doesn't matter because A, this is all fake and it's made up. It's all pretensies, <laughs> fun right. story time, right? But, but beyond that, in that like it it doesn't matter because it is made up fun pretensies but it matters because it's made up fun pretensies and that actually is important right like it it it, what's important is the important part and not the part that's not important Mm. (laughs) i'm speaking in so many riddles to try and make my point and i hope that some of it is coming across (laughs) but it like this is Man, it's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. There are so many things. Listen, all of the answers are already in Star Wars, you guys. You just need to watch it and pay attention. Okay? All right? Oh. Sorry I asked you, Michael. Jeez. Man, I'm exhausted by this. <laughs> um, no, in a good way. It's good. This is like, I mean, this is what we're here for. This is why it's called Force Perspectives. The you know you have one point of view and then I have another one and that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Oh my I god! Will <laughs> say it until the day that it falls out of my brain because it is possibly the most important lesson that George taught us in those movies, um, in his stories. It's possibly one of the most important lessons in storytelling in general, because it's the whole point of storytelling is to take on another perspective and try and understand another person's point of view. And the way that we do that is by distancing ourselves from reality into a place that exists outside. (coughs) 
all of Star Wars, and this is an epiphany that I am having right now, <laughs> oh, all of man. Star Wars is taking place in the world between worlds because none of it is real, you guys. The whole thing is in the world between worlds. The whole thing is a lie. It's all fake. It's all magic. It's not even there. It is light being emitted by electricity forced through a piece of metal and glass in sequence, in a pattern, rapidly that tricks us into thinking that we're seeing something. The whole thing is an illusion. The whole thing is an illusion. <laughs> this is a little too existential for me now. So just let go <laughs> and let it be what it's going to be. Like, just let it be what it's going to be is the point, right? So mm. it doesn't matter if she's in the same world between worlds that Ezra and Ahsoka were in, in, Wolves and rebels, right? And rebels, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Anakin, whether it's Anakin or it's something pretending to be Anakin, I think it's Anakin. I do think it's Anakin. I just think that that music cue is just a. I need to go back and listen to it again because I. It's like, is it, is it, is it Vader's theme in like a foreboding way, in the way that we are traditionally used to it, or is it meant to be Vader's theme in like a, in like a. Was it Vader's theme or was it the Imperial March? Okay, well, I mean, like, like, like how, like, however, we're gonna frame that, right? Okay, but it was right, like it was the Imperial yeah, March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So, like, but is it is it is it to is it just to cue us? Is it just to cue us, or is it or is it literally a misdirect? Because it might literally be a misdirect of like hmm. maybe Dave just wants us sitting for a week, going like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Hmm. Right. Because the um, last time we saw him looking like this, he was Darth Vader. Yes. Because when we see him at the end of Return of the Jedi, he is in cool guy different robes. robes. Yeah, he's in cool yeah. guy robes. He's in, in robes that he never wore. <laughs> Which, let me let me ask you off of, yeah. uh, uh, kind of off of your existential rant yeah. that just transpired. Uh, earlier on, when we were talking about the world between worlds and the physical, the metaphysical, um, Ezra reaches into the physical, grabs Ahsoka into the world between worlds. She physically leaves her, her location at that point. Is it possible that Obi-Wan and Yoda do the same with Vader or Anakin rather. And that is partially how Anakin becomes a force ghost is that somehow through the world between worlds, because Obi-Wan and Yoda are now one with the force. So does that mean they're literally one with the world between worlds? Is that what happened that Anakin was able to maintain his, his uh, spirit? Or mm. something similar to that. I, I I think I think again you're trying to you're trying to put like you're trying to put bumpers on the lane. 
and and and, and I'm and just trying to understand how more. I never understood how Anakin became a Force ghost by not training, because Obi Wan trained, Yoda trained, Qui Gon figured it out. I don't know that Anakin figured it out the way Qui Gon did in his final moments. Maybe he did. I don't know. He was a piece. I have no idea. Yeah. But I I was never able to make heads or tails of that after the explanation we were given for it. So I'm trying I'm trying to think outside the box. Like, oh, is this a world between worlds thing? Is that how I, this happened? I believe so so you're also thinking as the force of the force in terms of, of the the way that we experience time. Mm-hmm. Um again in the in physical time and space is it's it's our it's our only perspective because we can't we're we're stuck in it, right? Like this right. is right. It's it's the old it's the old three D yeah. trying to understand four D and two exactly. D trying to understand three D. Sure. Yeah. So I believe <clears throat> that once Qui Gon unlocks that potential, it changes the game. Mm-hmm. Um and and as and you kind of see that like there's a there's a there's a lineage there backwards and forwards. Dooku doesn't get counted in it because Dooku is corrupted and lost, right? So, um, so his when he returns to the Force, it's not it's not in the same way. But he's able to. I uh, I would I would say that a more satisfying explanation for me is that when Vader returns, Anakin returns from the force, because I think that like, there's a metaphysical component to the transformation between Anakin and Darth Vader, right? When Anakin returns from wherever he went, when Anakin became Vader and was lost, died, right? That, um, this is moments before he dies. He dies. I think in the moments before he even returned, in the same way, I th- I think, man, I'm going to say something good about Rise. Uh, <laughs> I think that Ray's moments before she defeats Palpatine are that's our first time experiencing what um, Obi Wan experienced right before he died, and what Anakin experiences right before he dies, and what Yoda is experiencing. Yoda is kind of like Yoda is kind of like when he's dying, there's a, there's an aspect of it that I'm now going to like project onto it. And this is going to be my head cannon of like Luke is talking to him, but Yoda's not there. Like Yoda. And I think it's because like the veil is pierced at that point. He's like, I'm dying. Mm. Like you came back and boy, Oh boy, did you pick a time to come back? Because like, (laughs) I see everyone right now, dude. And I can hear (laughs) you. Like you, you think it's you and me in this room, but I am telling you right now that all of the Jedi are here. But I like can Luke's see not, God. <laughs> Luke's not ready to hear that stuff, right? So like, like Yoda's like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm old. I'm gonna die now, okay, bud. I'm gonna die. Twilight's upon me. Soon night must fall. I am seeing it all, dude. I am seeing it all. I don't know if it was some bad swamp stew or if this is it. But like, and Luke's like. No, but like Yoda, tell me if he's my dad. And Yoda's like, oh my God, dude, I'm having an existential experience. And you want to talk about whether or not Darth Vader is your dad? What did he tell you? Search your feelings. I trained you to be a Jedi, dude. Can't you figure this out on your own? Like Yoda's attitude in that moment is like, I am on the 
threshold of eternity and you want to talk about your daddy issues i told you everything you needed to know go figure it out <laughs> and then yoda dies and it's not like like yoda doesn't like instantly appear to luke right like he's not like he's not like, like five seconds later he's like okay let's finish the conversation that we were just having he's like no i am now on the ethereal plane time and space don't matter to me anymore I'm experiencing everything. I'm going to go figure out what the heck happened at the end of season five of Clone Wars. Right now, season six of Clone Wars. Because, like, I'm still confused about that. And I'm going to go get some answers to my questions now that I'm one with the Force. So Obi-Wan has to show up and go, like, listen, okay, yeah, I lied. But, like, I didn't lie, lie. I just told you what you were ready to hear just like yoda just told you what you were ready to hear like listen you don't understand this stuff so i think like ray is like she commune she she hits that point she she becomes one with the force in that moment she also like like listen she hits world between worlds stuff as well because she looks up and she sees the stars right Mm -hmm. there they are underground but she looks up and she sees the stars she is in the world between worlds when she communes with all of the jedi and then she finds. Wait, but that isn't well isn't the roof open because Palpatine shoots lightning into the air? Yeah, but the but there's clouds and there's spaceships, and she sees none of that. She sees the stars. Uh, okay, true. Right? That's fair. She sees she sees the stars who are all of those Mufasa. They're all of the kings before her. <laughs> right? She's seeing all of the Jedi that have ever existed. Not all of the not just all of the Jedi, but everything. She's seeing eternity. Mm. That's what the stars represent. And Dave talks about this. He literally talks about this that the world between worlds is stars. Because it's everything, everything that's ever been and everything that will be. And it's, it's light. It's <clears throat> it's light and darkness in perfect balance. When when Anakin is about to die and he's again, this is, I'm going to project this onto all of these moments mm-hmm. because all three of them, Obi-Wan, Yoda, Anakin, when they're in those moments, they look beyond right they don't they don't just they're not just looking at the moment it's not vader in front of him it's not even luke and leia across although that's there too right it's not just luke in front of yoda it's like there's something more like tell your sister you were right i don't know it's that's not just that's not just anakin speaking that's everybody speaking to luke in that moment right it's like it's it's also obi-wan apologizing of like no you you did it you did it you brought anakin back right like is everybody speaking through anakin in that moment to luke of like tell your sister you were right and then anakin physically is untethered right like he like he leaves his physical body and he becomes one with the force and he doesn't disappear in the same way because his body was his body and whatever and those are like again we're trying to attribute a rule set as if it's a video game and it's not right so in that moment, which is eternity, Qui-Gon can come to him and go, okay, I'm going to teach you these six simple steps, <laughs> right? Whatever that means, because it doesn't mean what it means. Like Qui-Gon didn't become one with the force in the same way that the others did, right? He doesn't disappear in the way that Obi-Wan and Yoda do, right? He was stabbed. They burn his body, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's a it's a whole other thing so yeah like it just i don't it's again it doesn't matter it doesn't really matter but like at the same time what you're saying has meaning so what does that mean and and 
Luke sees Anakin appear with Obi-Wan and Yoda. He doesn't see Qui-Gon. He doesn't see Dooku or, you know, like he doesn't see anybody else. He doesn't see, you know, a thousand Jedi or the entirety of the Jedi. Just like Rey doesn't see anybody else. She sees Luke and she sees Leia, right? Because this is a two-way conversation with the Force and the Force is going to communicate back with the um, language that, that that these physical beings can comprehend, which is their loved ones, right? Mm-hmm. So when Anakin appears to Luke, he appears as a Jedi. What does Luke see a Jedi as? Yoda's also in different robes, right? Like Yoda is also in a different outfit from what we are used to seeing him in. He is dressed more like Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is dressed in the same way that Luke saw him on Tatooine, right? Like, uh, like when he first meets him and the last thing that the last thing that he sees before he disappears, all three of them are in matching outfits. They've all got the same Brown turtleneck with the white robes, the, and, and the belt and the, and the Brown cloak, right? That's what, when Luke thinks of a Jedi, that's what Luke sees. So that's how Anakin appears. Now, Anakin Mm -hmm. appears as his younger self, because Anakin is also communicating something to Luke. And our perspective on it as the audience changes once we know who Anakin is. And this is the way to explain the retcon, right? Is that like, well, he appeared to us in the force the way that we knew him at the time, which is we knew a Jedi looks like Obi-Wan and we knew that Anakin looked like Sebastian Shaw. Mm -hmm. So that's how he appeared. But then once we had more context, the way that he appears in the force changes to us because it's not real. It's not physical. It doesn't matter. Right. Like it doesn't matter in the sense that it is not matter. Right. It is of no matter. So he can change the way that he physically looks. So when Ahsoka turns around, she hears Hey Snips and she turns around and she sees Anakin. She sees Anakin as she knew Anakin the last time that she saw him in Clone Wars Mm -hmm. right before he left. That's exactly how he looks. That makes sense. So that's why he looks the way that he looks. Now, if it were me and I were telling this story, I would have had him look the same way that he looks in Return of the Jedi. I also would not have done any de-aging whatsoever. Nothing. I would have just left. I just would have let Hayden Christensen perform. Just Mm. act. Because it's because it does not matter what he looks like. And I do think that like as much as Dave understands, I think that he's a little bit worried about the audience, a little bit too worried about the audience. He's certainly more worried about the audience than George ever was because George would have gone, I don't care. And George is just like, well, that's really tough. I'm going to replace him. I'm also going to put a beak on the Sarlacc because I wanted to put a beak (laughs) on the Sarlacc in 1981. (laughs) when we were first talking about Sarlaccs, I'm like, well, well, they're going to go and there's going to be a pit. It's going to be tentacles and it's going to have a beak and it's going to be really cool. Right. Larry. And Lawrence Kasdan was like, absolutely. Whatever you say, George, you'll all be fine. Yeah. And then they were like, they got there and they're like, well, no one just make a big hole with a bunch of tentacles and spikes in it. That's fine. I was like, Oh yeah, that's what we can do. That's what we can do. Let's make a movie. Right. (laughs) We're making magic here. I I don't know. I'll fix it later. (laughs) Right. Like, and, and he does. So, that's George's thing. It's like, I don't care. Does it matter? We'll put a beak in. We'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll fix Cloud City later in, in 20 years. doesn't matter. 
None of it's important. The only thing that's important is the story. Uh, that's the, at the end of the day, as long as it serves the story. When things are disjointed with the story, I will have a problem. Nothing is disjointed mm. with the story thus far. I have no problem. Everything is hunky-dory. I'm along for the ride. Thank you very much, Mr. Filoni. You're doing a very good job. Mm. I'm with you there. So let go. You, 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 you must be like water. All right, Master Yoda. When water goes in the cup, it becomes the cup. When water goes in the river, it becomes the river. Okay. All right. Water. Now it turned into Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> but but Bruce got it. Bruce understood. Bruce was like he, water. He got it. You know, it can be a drip, and it can also be a a, a waterfall. It can slowly erode steel, right? Like that's how you got to be man Mm -hmm. but in order to be like water you got to let go you gotta let go uh that's it that's it we did (laughs) that is an episode i gotta get ready to go i I need to let go of this podcast (laughs) my kids uh awesome thank you guys for listening thank you joe for pushing me in these directions so that we can have (laughs) I don't know. I, this might be my favorite conversation that we've had. I I oh, like it when okay. when I get to be um, Jedi mastery and uh, there you go. metaphysical. So you gave uh, me something you. to think about. Yeah, I yeah, I I feel it. You're still not there. So like we, I'm not. More. I'm not still, still there. Not there. But, but but here's the thing. You gave me something. It's gonna marinate. I, I it, you know what you though? Much. It's like it, we have an Ahsoka Sabine dynamic going on right now because because <laughs> you are very much like Sabine, like 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 just move the cup. I'm just trying yeah, to move the cup. Stupid cup won't move. And Ahsoka is trying to teach her that like one, the second that you don't care about moving the cup, you'll be able to move the cup. Mm. Right? You're too focused on the cup. Don't focus on the cup. Just <clears throat> uh. Cool. Thank you guys for listening. I, I don't know when this is. I don't know what this is. But um, see, we're in the space between spaces, the world between there worlds. That's where all of these podcasts exist. Um, I, but I, I thank you for listening regardless, whenever this is. Uh, go check out some other podcasts. Uh, if you like it, subscribe, I guess. I don't know, man. It's so funny. We just did perfect 10 and I like wrote a new intro and outro for it. And it's all like, I'm all like on point and like, it's like, oh, we got to hit these. And then with this show, I'm just like, nope. Yeah. Cool. See you next time. After the conversation. Yeah. After the conversation (laughs) that we just had, I can't, uh, I join us on discord, uh, thunderquack.com slash discord, subscribe on podcast services, leave a rating and review. Thanks. I think I say all this stuff in like I think there's like a canned outro on this show, and that's why I don't worry about it. So and that's why I'm like should, now I'm like you should probably know. To? Yeah, I should probably know, but I just slap it on the end and I don't listen to it, right? So because mm. um, it's done, I already did it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for joining us on this ridiculous metaphysical journey that we are on as Star Wars fans. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode, which is it's available right now. So just yeah, go listen. Go, go listen right this second. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash Discord. 
Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.